Welcome to the Harvest Sound Podcast, for music and mission, truth and prophecy, creativity and compassion merge as one. So, uh, let's see, we're on part three of a message about joy that my wife started. Sarah did an awesome job. It's all online if you want to check it out. I recommend, these are, I think, really life-changing messages. How many people could say, I could use some more joy up in here, up in, up in here, right? And um, I think God wants us to be literally the most joyful people on the planet. And can I get a... Y'all are thinking about that one, like, I don't know if that's possible. Hey, with the Lord, it is, right? Because uh, here's the beauty of the, this whole message of what we're going after here, is that uh, joy is otherworldly, okay? We talked about happiness is something the world goes after, you know, the pursuit of happiness. But joy comes from the Lord, it's actually a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It grows in you when He's in you. Okay, so this is something that is your inheritance in Jesus. How many people here have the Holy Spirit? You've been touched by the Holy Spirit, filled by the Holy Spirit. And, and joy is something that we've talked about. Uh, it needs to be cultivated. Okay, because a fruit, it grows through cultivation, through the right environment and and sunshine and water and all the elements that have to come to create an environment by which the fruit grows. So our job is to kind of like be, be the farmer in the sense we can create an environment by which the fruit of the Spirit grows. Now, it's a mystical thing, really, the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, think about it. What's another fruit of the Spirit? Peace, right? Peace that passes all understanding. See, the world doesn't understand it. When they see people that have peace and they're going through horrific things, and they're like, but yet I have a peace. It's like, what? It passes all understanding. So I want to suggest to you that what we're talking about today is we have a joy that transcends all circumstances. Could it be so? Could it be that substantial? That there's a joy that can transcend all circumstances, whatever we're going through, there's an inner joy, there's an inner flame that won't go out. And we're going to talk about that, and we've, boy, we've hit a lot of points along the way here. I'll touch on a couple from last week. Um, so we, we talked, to, we did some description of joy, and, and again, Sarah laid the first foundation. Uh, but one of the things that we talked about, I'll just give you points. These are just points. You're going to have to go listen to it or research it yourself. Uh, but joy is a perspective. It's a perspective. It's like a lens you put on. Two people can look at the exact same thing. One person can be just distraught at the end of themselves, and someone else will be like, I still see joy in it. I still see purpose in it. I see meaning in what's happening. Okay? Uh, another thing is um, we're to enjoy. This is from last week. Just a couple points just to kind of warm us up. Y'all ready for this? Okay? Uh, embrace the joy of his presence, the joy of the Lord. And his presence, in his presence is the fullness of joy, eternal pleasures at his right hand. How many people have experienced that? The joy of the presence of the Lord. Where I mean, we've had times where we've just got caught up in worship, and, and you just literally, such a tangible presence, the glory of the Lord, that you lose track of time. 
Like you're just like, what just happened? I remember when we first started digging out this, this uh, bunker of worship down here when it was the hood all around us. It was a rough neighborhood. And we began to worship here. And I remember there was times like we'd go like all night, like till five in the morning. And you didn't, and you're like going, you, you just, what just happened? Like what? And we, you, you couldn't stop. You were just in the zone, in the throne zone, if you will. And, and it's extraordinary, the transformation that can happen that, and the joy of his presence, the peace that we receive. All the goodness of God comes when he comes around, appreciating and savoring his nearness, right? Embracing the joy of his word. We talked about that. Power of the word of God. The power of the Bible that literally is a light to our path. And then the next one we talked about was uh, embracing the joy of discipline. Ooh, wait a second. Could those two words go together? Joy and discipline? They do. I don't have time to I'll start preaching it again, but that was last week. So just a few things touching on. Um, but this week, we want to we'll take it even deeper. Y'all ready for this? Fasten your seatbelt. And uh, we'll uh, start with the reading of some scripture. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. This is one of the greatest utterances of joy, joy regardless, okay, uh, that's in the Bible. Let's read this from Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. Though the fig tree does not bud and there's no grapes on the vines, and though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no fruit, though there is no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet... I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, enables me to go on the heights. And an extraction from the words of Jesus, Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field when a man found it. He hid it again, and then, in his joy, went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Let's, let's be seated. So just a couple passages to get us going here. I'm going to be talking, uh, again, some more aspects of, of joy and how it can permeate our life and transform us. But, you know, just... Uh, Going back to that Habakkuk passage for a moment, it just, you read the first part, there's no figs on the tree, there's no grapes on the vine, no olive crops have failed, fields do not produce fruit, supply chains are broken, basically. It's tough times. There's no sheep in the pen, no cattle installed. And yet, he says, and yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. What an utterance of faith and joy. And, and a, a declaration that the Lord is our strength. The sovereign Lord is my strength. And he will take me to the heights. He'll make me like a deer. And even though everything can look bleak and discouraging and there can be bad news all around us, yet those who know the Lord, who know their Lord, have a joy and they continue to rejoice. How, how often? Always. And that's partly what God's trying to do in us through the, these messages is create a... a, a a well of joy that you can tap into 
Doesn't matter what's going on around us. Doesn't matter what it looks like. Doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Opinions of men are fleeting. <laughs> Don't waste your time. How many times have we wasted our, our time, our energy of worrying about what people think? No one's going to be talking about what people think on Judgment Day. There's going to be only one person that you're going to worry about who thinks what on Judgment Day. Everything else will be fleeting. It'll be gone. Who cares? So why, why care right now when it won't care then, when it really matters? So right now, we have to learn to say, I serve a holy king, and my goal is to please him in this life. Apostle Paul said that I make it my goal to please him. And if your goal is to please people, wow. <laughs> For one, you got an impossible mission. Talk about mission impossible. It's not going to work. I'll get, tell you right now. It's a snare. And, and so, uh, looking at this, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Can we say that today? Can we say that next week? Can we say that throughout 2022? I will be joyful in the Lord. Doesn't matter what kind of bad news comes. Doesn't matter what looks like it's failing the systems of men. It doesn't matter. I will rejoice in the Lord because he's got me. He's sovereign, okay? God is sovereign. Part of the joy comes from the, the, the fact that you realize he's got me and he's good. He's got me and he's good. Let's say it out loud. He's got me and he's good. And you, you let that sink in. And you start to realize, wait a second, he is a great shepherd. And he's out for, for my very best. He has only my best interest in mind. Amen? Woo! Okay, let's get into this. Let's go back to my beginning message here. Where were we? Not too far back. This, this message is extended. I have all three, three parts, two parts in here. Where's my beginning? Lord, bring it on back. Okay. So today we're going to get into um, starting with the next point in, in looking at. Actually, before, I'm going to warm you up with a couple things first. I want to, I want to give you a context because the most popular uh, scripture, I believe, in the Bible about joy is, what is it? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Who's heard that? Like maybe over and over, right? But very few people seem to know where it came from or what's the context that that came from. It's just, a, it's just kind of a phrase that we, it's a powerful phrase. It's a true phrase. But we just kind of throw it out there. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And the Lord spoke to me this year. He said that the strength of joy was going to begin to come on his people. The strength of joy is coming on you. You're going to, you're, the, the weakness, the uh, you know, when we grow faint, when we hear bad news, when we, when we you know, the bottom sinks out, we get, you know, that, that sinking feeling in the pit of our stomach. I feel like God's going to put a shield around his people, a shield of favor, and the strength of joy is going to begin to come on us, and we're going to be able to go through stuff, and we're not going to fall apart when we see things falling apart. Does it make sense? But let's look at the context. It comes from Nehemiah chapter 8. Now, Nehemiah, the great rebuilder of Jerusalem who had the vision, he saw that the whole city was in, in, in rubble and had been destroyed, and the people were scattered, and he has vision. Let's rebuild this place. And they finally get the walls rebuilt, and there's, there's structure, and there's order. But there was one big thing missing, and he combines with Ezra, uh, the, the priest, 
And he says, we got to get the people back to the word of the Lord. They've forgotten the Bible. They've forgotten the Torah. They've forgotten the standard of God. And they'd, they'd uh, you know, slept around with the world and gotten totally off track and idolatry and immorality. And, and everything had just taken grip of the people. And he said, we, somehow we got to bring them on back. So how are we going to do it? They had a public reading of the word of God when it had been forgotten. A public reading. Now, this is the context that this scripture comes from. And Nehemiah says um, in um, chapter 10, Nehemiah says, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send those to, uh, sorry, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to the Lord. Do not grieve. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. So what was happening, the context of this, people were, were listening to the public reading of God's word, and I guess you could say conviction was coming upon them, and they were beginning to cry. They were beginning to weep. They are like going, oh, we're so off track with God. If you want to get back on the same page with the Lord, read the Bible. Literally, you'll be on the same page with the Lord. A lot of people are like, well, I need another prophetic word. Well, maybe you do. Maybe you don't. Maybe you just need to read your Bible. Maybe God's not allowing the prophets to talk to you because you won't read the Bible. Get on the same page with the Lord. He'll speak to you anytime you want him to if you crack it open. So this is what happened. They're literally reading the word of the Lord. The people are convicted and, uh, and, and they're grieving. And he says, no, 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 you don't get it. This is amazing what's happening right now. We're coming back in alignment with God's standards and his purpose for us. He said, this is a sacred day to the Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And, and it's amazing because they go on to say, uh, and they talk about also, you know, enjoy food, but make sure you give some. This is the context of this. Joy of the Lord is your strength. Give some to those who have nothing prepared. Give some to the poor. Leave no one out. And, and so they go and they send portions of food to celebrate with great joy uh, to people who didn't have anything. So in this context of conviction coming back in alignment with the word of the Lord and compassion, conviction and compassion, so all can celebrate together. And he says, this is the strength of joy coming back to God's people. Y'all getting this? Probably most of you guys didn't remember the context of that verse. And there's more to that story, but I don't want to get so deep into that right now. Um, so I believe we're in a time where God is trying to bring us back on the same page in America, in, in the nations, on the same page with him, back in alignment with him. And there's a whole lot of shaking going on, shaking us loose of false uh, ideologies and idolatry and things that we've held on to. And, and, there's a, and, and literally, he's, he's rattling our cage. And when your cage starts to rattle, that's an opportunity, opportunity for you to get out. Get out of that cage. Get out of those things that hold you back from the fullness of what God's created you for. And so we find out, you know, that the Lord is our source of joy. The Spirit of the Holy Spirit brings us joy, sustains us, regardless of the circumstances. And... Uh, and Jesus is a source of joy. How many people have, have, have a relationship with the Lord? And you start to go, man, that's, that's where it's at. It's with the Lord. My, my joy comes from him. It's not in other relationships. How many times have we ran after men or women and, 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 and all these things, and we think that's going to fulfill us? And 
You might even finally get what you want, and then you realize it wasn't what you wanted. What you wanted all along was Jesus. Because he's perfect. He's the rock of ages. You can build your life on the Lord, and it's solid. And he doesn't go changing. See, one thing I've learned about people, you is one, for one. You know, look at your neighbor. That's, that's a people right there. People change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. People change. What are we going to do if our hope is in people? You know, the Lord never told us to put our hope in people. He told us to love people. He told us to serve people. But our hope is not to be in people, even in our neighbors, even in our families. Our hope is to be in the Lord. He is the chief cornerstone that we build our whole life upon. It's the Lord. Someone say, it's the Lord. That's where my hope is. That's where my joy comes from. Because happiness is like, is like the weather. We talked about this last, last week. People that chase after happiness. It's, it's like the weather. A good day, a bad day. But f- and feelings are fleeting, ever-changing, ever-evolving. Okay? But do you, you, know, you know what can get you out of your feelings? If you're, if you're feeling down, depressed. Someone's curious over here. Uh, um, faith. Faith will get you out of your feelings when nothing else will. You say, but I feel like this, and I feel like that, and I'm, you know, I'm struggling with this, and da, da, da. And, and all of a sudden, faith starts to come on. It starts to, you start to transcend. You say, it can take you out of that pit that you're in, okay? And it takes you, faith is the vehicle you travel in in the kingdom. It takes you places. And so, how many people need to be taken out of their feelings, maybe daily? I will say, let's do our devotions I will say, let's do our devotions to help our emotions. It really does. When you get anchored in the Lord. Woo, come on, someone. So we're to delight in him. We're to delight in his word. We're to delight in the beauty and the majesty of the Lord. We're to to delight in the victory of God. We we celebrate his accomplishments. We're no longer getting joy and affirmation out of what I can do, the, the, the anchor that we live by, the standard that we live by is God's got me. He's rescued me on the cross, and he rose again. He has invited me into all of eternity. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> okay, thank you. See, encouragement from my brother there. See that? I know you can do it. <laughs> okay? So what I'm trying to do with this series of joy here, what I'm trying to do, what we're trying to do here is to free you from unnecessary stress, worry, fear, bitterness, resentment. Unnecessary. You don't have to go through it. The devil wants you to go through it. He'll drag you down. You know, the de- see, here's the thing about the devil. Satan, the old dragon, the old snake himself, uh, he, he fell into, I, I suggest this to you, I believe he fell into the condition he's in, into the evil condition that he's in because of self-pity. He began to pity himself. He began to think, wait, you know, yeah, I get to fly around the throne like a a cherubim, like a celestial angel and celebrate the the eternal one, the uncreated God for all time. And he was there. He was making music. It was just, and then all of a sudden he started thinking, wait a sec, you know, maybe it's not enough for me. You know, I mean, just he, he literally, I believe there's a, there was a root of self-pity that got in him. He said, I need more. I, need, I, want to, I will be like him. I need the praise. And so that, that self-pity uh, is satanic. It's demonic. And, and that's, that self-pity 
will drag you down into a bottomless pit, a bottomless pity, if you will, a pity party. He took the bait, and he, you know, here's the bottom line. In this life, we can be powerful or we can be pitiful. Someone will get that at lunch. We can be prophetic or we can be pathetic. So how do we climb our way out? I already suggest to you, through faith, I believe the word of God. I believe he's got a purpose for me. I believe he's got a destiny for me. I'm not, believe, I'm not even believing my own feelings. I'm, faith will take me to where I need to go. Faith will move mountains. Woo! So don't settle for happiness, the happenstances that come around you. I'm having a good day today. Let me tell you, happiness is unsettling. Don't settle for happiness. It's unsettling. Next day you'll be like, oh, it's all falling apart. My boss looked at me mean. (laughs) Or, you know, someone talked about me. Slander. You know, we can fall apart so quickly. But God's called you into an eternal joy, an eternal realm, where things are not shifting and decaying. Where you're anchored in the Lord. You're built on the word. You can't control the external. Anyone figure that out? Live long enough? Trying to, trying to control things. I, I could just, you know, people that are real, maybe detail-ordered or, or maybe administrator. I don't know who all, we're all susceptible to control spirit. But certain people have a personality where they want it all in order and planned out. And, and, they, and they kind of flip out when that plan falls apart. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Is it? Okay. <laughs> and, and so... The Lord calls us out of that place of trying to control the external realm. And he says, I want you to work on the internal realm. Your spirit man. Do you have a joy, a capacity for joy? Okay. You know, um, I believe it was joy that kept Jesus on the cross. It was joy. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. It tells us that straight up in Hebrews, right? He could have gone, I'm done with this. This is uncomfortable to the max. I'm on the cross. I can call for legions of angels right now. I can be out of here. We're done. Wipe my hands of humanity. Let's just make a new planet. Start over. New people, whatever. He could have just bailed, but it said there was a joy set before him that kept him on mission. Some of you guys are going to be kept on mission because of joy. You're going to know the reward of the Lord is before you if you stay faithful. And you're going to be like, man, it feels like this. It looks like this. And no one else seems to see it or understand it. And yet, I got this joy. If I remain faithful, if I hold the course, I'm going to receive the reward of the Lord. And it's eternal. It does not decay. Joy kept Jesus on the cross. Gave him, watch this. Staying power. Why do people want staying power? Staying power. I mean, you can stay where God puts you when you're planted. How many times have we done that? I think we're just, you know, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the, the times we're in where everything's so instant and, and, uh, and, you know, but when you plant a seed, anyone's done any farming or agriculture, you, the worst thing you can do is uproot it and look at it and then plant it again, and then take it out again. Whoa, 
How many times do we do that in our life? We're plant, God's trying to plant us, trying to give us a staying power. Stay there long enough to get some roots so you have some fruits. And then we're just pulled up again. Well, maybe I missed the Lord. Well, maybe I'll do this. How many people have started over time and time again? I mean, here I go. And you're, and you're tempted right now to start over again. Start over, start over, start over, start. And God's saying, no, can you trust me to plant you and, and give you roots and fruits and a continuity and a story? See, here's the hard part. When you're planted, you don't see nothing. For a while there, it's like, where'd that, where'd that seed go? Is it still under the ground? Is it still there? Okay, let's check and see. Dig it up, dig it up. How many times we go digging, and it's not even our business. Our business is to stay faithful to the Lord. And when the fruit appears, it will appear. It's the Lord that brings the increase. Some plant, some water, but the Lord brings the increase. And we're all interested about the increase. And the Lord's like, that's not even your business. Why are you meddling in the Lord's business? Can we learn to be faithful with small things? Just right there. Just right there. I just, I just love being simple. I love being small. I love being faithful. And I leave the big stuff to the Lord. It's a humble attitude, really. Is the Lord big enough to do big stuff with your life when he wants to? See, so many times what we're dealing with is our own expectations. And we lose joy when our expectations don't match up with the reality or the timing. How many people have gotten upset about delays? Delays? Just me? I'm not, okay, just me. I'll preach to myself. Hey, man. The, so many times, timing, all these things. And you look at people like Paul and Silas. I was reminded of, you know, after they were uh, brought before the magistrates and they were ordered to be, picture this. They're preaching the gospel. They're being faithful. And all of a sudden, persecution breaks out, and the magistrates order them to be stripped, yes, stripped and beaten. And they're severely flogged. If you know anything about flogging, you know, it's not a pretty picture. Very painful. They're thrown into prison, and, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. In other words, they're not getting out. They're in a bad situation. They're not getting out. They're locked up. Okay, and, um, and so what happens at midnight, Paul and Silas, maybe it took them a moment to get their bearings or get over their, their pains and their wounds and everything they'd just gone through, but all of a sudden, what do they do? They begin to pray and to sing hymns to God, and all the prisoners were listening to them to the point where God sent deliverance. He sent an earthquake, and they were loosed, and even the jailer was saved that day in his entire household. So they began, the joy began to break out in a difficult situation. How many of you guys have, have been in a situation like that? Maybe not flogged, praise be to God. We're not in that situation right now. But you've been in a situation where it, it got bad and maybe got bad quick and you were disoriented. But then somehow you began to sing, you began to pray, you began to rejoice. And then you saw the deliverance of the Lord. But it came, let me tell you something. I suggest this to you. Their deliverance came internally first. Do you think that earthquake would have came and all that deliverance if, if they hadn't have broken out in praise? I think it set the, heaven, the angels of heaven, the armies of 
angel armies in motion when that praise began to break out. And they said, all right, these boys got it, man. Send the earthquake. Rattle the, rattle the cage. Set all the captives free. Woo. All right. So where was I? Thank you, Lord. Here's one other thing. These are just thoughts. I'm not even giving you my main points yet. Okay, it's just like random thoughts. No, hopefully not random. <laughs> Anointed thoughts. <laughs> um, no one can take away your joy. See, if you have the joy of the Lord, watch this, no one can take away your joy. You didn't get it from them, so therefore they can't take it. So don't, don't give your joy away. How many times do we give our joy away? Someone done me wrong. Someone looked at me wrong. Someone overlooked me. And we give our joy away so quickly. You need to be jealous for that joy. I'm, you need to cultivate an environment of joy. And then prop one another up. Help one another. When you see a brother slipping or sinking or a sister, we're going to need to help one another. Maintain the victory, the joy of victory in our lives that the Lord purchased for us. And I want to suggest this to you. That when, you're, when we're suffering, and yes, suffering is part of the course. Read, read the Bible. We see it's, it's actually part of the main course. Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. So when we go through suffering, it's wise to say something. And this is what I think it is. Lord, what are you saying? What are you saying to me in this situation, in this suffering? Whether it comes in a package of physical um, you know, sickness or financial stress or relational conflict or hopes and dreams delayed, but to just stop and go, God, what are you speaking to me? Are you talking to me through this? I, I guarantee you he is. I believe God speaks some of the most to us in times of suffering. It's when our character grows. We look back and go, whoa, I sure didn't feel comfortable, but look it, I'm different. That transformed me. Okay, so let's go, here, here's... Um, your, next, your first point for today now. Uh, embrace the joy of your purpose. Last week I, I shared a phrase that you've probably heard somewhere along the way of the two most important days of your life is the day you were born and the day that you find out the purpose for which you were born. Find out your purpose. And if, if you're a believer, you have, you have a a specific purpose. I've talked on some of it. Pleasing God, honoring God. There's, there's ways that we can describe that purpose. But there's also good works prepared in advance for us to do. God wired you a certain way. Gave you certain gift sets. Spiritual gifts, practical gifts, a certain personality, certain family history. And there's a purpose and a destiny for every believer. And it's way more detailed and amazing than most of us realize. And God wants us to find that. Okay, And here's the thing that's amazing about God. It said that we can be confident of this. This is from Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. It says, we can be confident of this, that he who began the good work in you will carry it on until completion, until the day of Christ Jesus. So when God starts a good work in you, you're born again by faith. He's like, there, there's a continuity of your journey and your purpose that God's going to push it on through. Okay, 
Remember we talked breaking on through 2022. Breaking on through 2022. So, so we're going to break through into purpose, into destiny. But God will make sure he'll watch over you. And he will carry it on into completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So God is on your side ready to fulfill the storyline. And the only way I think that can be delayed or uh, extracted from you is if you bail out. If you go, call it quits. It's that free will thing. That's a messy thing, isn't it? How How much mess have humans gotten into because of free will? Look at Adam and Eve, right? And God, yet God says, I want volunteer lovers. I want people who serve me willingly. Even when things don't look good, we say, Lord, yet I trust you. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him, as Job said. So here's a couple of suggestions to you. Do what you do best. Some of you might be still discovering that. But do what you do best and love what you do. So when you find something that just resonates you and makes you come alive, you know, don't worry about how the world equates that or how the world does that. Just find a way to do it. It might look small. I'm telling you, the kingdom of Jesus told you better than I'm telling you. Jesus told you the kingdom of heaven is like a seed. Everything in the kingdom of heaven starts small. The king of kings, king of the universe, the uncreated one, started as a baby. And so many times we despise the small things. So we're, we, we, we want to move on prematurely. And we get discouraged because we don't see it all happening. And I feel like the Lord said, if you could savor the beauty of smallness and trust me and just cultivate that small, find something you can do. He's like, well, I feel like I'm called to sing for the Lord but I can't find anyone who will listen. Then just sing to the Lord. Just you and the Lord. Start somewhere. Do that thing that resonates in you and watch what God will do. You say, well, I feel like someday I'm going to write a book. Well, have you written a poem or an article? You might want to start there. Does this make sense? And so there's a purpose, there's a destiny that God has called us to. Jesus said this, he said, um, when the disciples had come to him in John chapter 4, they say, Rabbi, eat something. They're concerned about, hey, you need to get nourished now. You need some food. And um, he says "He says to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. He said some cu- curious statements that probably tweaked these guys constantly. You know, what do you mean we know nothing about? He's like, and then the disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him some food? Like, did we miss something here? Like, who, who brought him lunch? I mean, what's he talking about? You know? And he says, my food, Jesus says this, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. My food, my sustenance, the thing that actually keeps me going is to do what God's, the purpose for which I'm here. The joy of the purpose, to fin- not just do it, but to finish it. God sent you here. Do you, do you guys realize that? I know as humans, we don't feel maybe as on mission as Jesus did. But let me tell you, 
You're not of this world any more than he's of this world. That's not me talking. That's Jesus. You're not. The disciples are not of this world any more than Jesus was of this world. You are on mission. You've been sent here for a purpose. And if you don't find that purpose and you don't fulfill that purpose, you will not have the fullness of joy. You just won't. You might still be saved and all that good stuff. But I believe God wants us to max out in a, in a decaying world, in a depressing, confused world, where in a dark and perverse generation, there's a joyful people rising up. You know, one of the things I noticed with the Canadian truckers, I don't know if you watched the storyline, what just been happening. It's a little tragic right now, but it'll get better. Why? Because watch this. They, 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 they walked in peace. They brought a message. They walked in dignity. And I've must have seen dozens of interviews, and everyone said, man, there's such joy. There's such peace. There's such unity. Those are things of the kingdom. I'm not saying they all were saved, but I know a lot of them were. And I saw them singing hymns and the whole thing, and they knew the next day the police were coming. They're going to lock them up, the whole thing. And they're singing, A mighty fortress is our God. And they kept talking about there's joy out here. There's peace out here. See, we can have that even if you have to stand in a controversial place, an uncomfortable place, even if you know persecution's coming around the corner. Are we willing to stand? Are we willing to cultivate, cultivate joy and peace and, and an atmosphere of heaven? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish this work. I suggest to you your food is the same as his food. Point number two, we're defined joy in people. We're defined joy in people. You, you might go... People, if you're in ministry, especially, like, like man, uh, let me tell you this. People can be the greatest source of, probably will be, greatest source of pain and or joy that you'll experience in this life. People, not the devil, people. How many people know that the devil uses people? And yet we're to find joy in people. If you can't find joy in people, if you can't, Find it in your heart to love people, regardless of the disappointments, regardless of the investments. Well, I poured my life into that person, and da 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 da, and they just walked away. How can they do that? Hey, they do that all the time. And they'll continue to do that. They're called people in process. Church is really more of a hospital of, of recovering people. You know, people think, well, the church—they should all be perfect in there, right? No, we're recovering. <laughs> You know? And so you got to give one another grace. But Apostle Paul said this. this I remember the day that this dawned on me, this one thought, okay? We're talking about finding joy in people, okay? He says, for what is our hope? This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. For what is our hope? Listen to this. What is our hope? What is our joy or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes. Is it not you? Who's he talking to? The Thessalonians. A group of people, a community that he invested in. He says, indeed, you people are our glory and our joy. You go, what? I thought the Lord was our, was our joy and our crown and our... Our, our hope and all these things. Very seldom do we celebrate people on this level where he's saying, when, when the Lord himself and the presence of the Lord comes, you'd think, we go, he will be our joy. 
He will be her. But here he flips the whole thing and he says, is it not you, Thessalonians, that will be my crown, my joy, and my hope when the presence of the Lord comes? The people you invested in, the people you laid your life down for. And you might look at your life and go, am I laying my life down for anyone? And if, if not, there's still time. There's still time. Who do we invest in? See, it's, it's that place of sacrificial giving and pouring ourselves out like a drink offering, as Apostle Paul was. Broken bread and poured out wine for others, for people. And he said, when that day comes, when the Lord comes, he says, people will be my joy, my hope, my crown. He's like, they are the ones... You imagine a missionary, just use that as an example, a missionary who goes to maybe a faraway land or to an inner city or to wherever, you know, wherever you find a group of people that need Jesus, and, and they lay their lives down. Can you imagine the celebration that will be in heaven when, you, when all a whole, you know, hordes of people or even or dozens of people, it doesn't matter, it could be two people, the celebration of like, you came for me, you brought the good news, you laid your life down, and we're here together for all of eternity now. Who is your faith benefiting? I remember when the Lord asked me, I said, like, like tangibly, like who does your faith benefit? I'm like, for whom are you suffering? Like, is there, can you, I think the Lord likes to have us to be conscious of who am I discipling? Who am I pouring into? Who am I laying my life down for? Who am I going after? Not just some vague concept. It could be one teenager that you have lunch with once a month. And you say, man, I'm just going to start doing this. Or once a week. And, and pouring in. And, and these people will be the ones that will be celebrating with you in heaven. They'll be your glory and your joy. People. Source of joy. I mean, Philippians, Paul says this. Uh, one chapter, chapter 1, verse 3 says, I thank God every time I remember you. Talking to people. I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy, there it is, because of our partnership in the gospel. There's people in this life that are going to bring you great joy because there's going to be a partnership in the gospel. And the gospel is eternal. It's, you can partner and make a business. You can partner you know, to do a lot of things, build a playground for kids or whatever this thing. But there's something about when you're partnering in the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's eternal, and it'll bring you great joy and pleasure. And you're like, there were the ones I was in the trenches with. We got stories. We got stories. And so, as humans, we're called to, bury, called to bear a burden. Okay? We're burden bearers, if you will. You're like, oh, I don't like that part. No, just listen for a moment. Everyone's called to carry something. Everyone should do their, should carry their own load. Apostle Paul talks about that. There's something that we're to carry in this life that benefits others, that's part of the kingdom that you're designated to carry, a burden you're called to carry. I remember old-time uh, black gospel preachers that I was with them one time, and they started talking about, when the burden comes upon me, burden of prayer, I'll pray all night till I feel it release. When that burden comes upon me, I feel the burden. There's something we're to carry. There's someone we're to carry. And Jesus said it like this, carry one another's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. 
carry one another's burdens. And this way you fulfill the very law of Christ. We have a responsibility to lift people up. We have a responsibility to help and love our neighbors. We have a responsibility to bring betterment to society. You got to sometimes look behind yourself. I remember my grandma said one time a little word of wisdom. Old people, you get all kinds of words. Every time you get up, you're on a bus or a plane, make sure you look back and make sure you didn't forget something. You know, oh, there's my phone. There's my thing. Save you a lot of pain having to run back in that plane. Can I get back in there? We did that one time before. We're like, can I? Oh, they were cleaning it out and almost ready to take off for the next flight. And the whole thing is like, I got to get back in there. I left something. But, but here's the thing. Look behind yourself, not just to see what you forgot. Look behind yourself and see, is it a trail of destruction and confusion? Or is that place better because you showed up, because you walked that path, because you met those people? Is there betterment because you showed up? When we, when we, you might be, might be working temporary. You might say, I'm just doing this job. It's only a year or two. You know, I'm, I'm not going to do this forever. So I'm just going to kind of do the... The bare minimum, just get through it, da-da-da, get in, get out, you know, the whole thing. See, that whole attitude, that lackadaisical, lazy, wicked, lazy attitude is not represent Christ. Does this make sense? And, and the Lord says, you know, leave the place better. If you go to a church and you're there working, you're in the trenches, and, and, and you're having a good time for a year or two, but then you start feeling, ah, you know, I feel like maybe the Lord's moving me on now. And, da, da, da. and he very well could be, okay? I'm not saying he doesn't. He does shuffle the deck every once in a while. The, the key is the way you leave could undo everything you just did. Two years of serving, building people up, getting everyone strong in the Lord, the whole thing. And because of a careless attitude or you don't like confrontation, you don't like un, un, uncomfortable situations or you don't want to communicate forthrightly and eye to eye with someone or leadership or you're not sure about authority issues, you know, whatever the excuse may be. If you leave the wrong way without basic, sometimes all I ask for, <laughs> Sarah and I, and other, is basic manners. It's bizarre how religious people are so unmannerly sometimes. Why? Because they're religious and they don't communicate. They just disappear. Like, wait a sec, I thought you were, that, that, uh, what? They just disappear. The disappearing act of the religious who two months ago said, I'm here. The Lord has brought me here. How can I help, pastor? I don't, you know, hey, if the Lord told you to say it, say it. But I say it's better to, to, to say that through your actions. Yeah. Huh? So many times we say stuff because saying stuff's easy. Talk is cheap. Let your life be the commitment. We can all say stuff, right? But live it. Live the commitment. And then if God moves you on, make it better. I don't know how I got into all this, but I got into it, didn't I? Carrying one another's burdens. Galatians 5.14 says, The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Treat people the way you want to be treated. That's the entire law. That's basically God saying, what I'm really trying to say is this. If I could just put it in one sentence, a few words, this is it. And sometimes we do everything but that. We wonder why our 
churches are falling apart, why we're losing our moral compass in our society. Maybe if we could find a way like, no, I'm called to make a difference. I have a responsibility. I have a duty to make a difference in society, to make it better because I was born and put on this planet that there's going to be lives changed and rearranged and lifted up and broken people are given hope. And yet we're in this bizarre atmosphere of the globe right now where everyone's offended. Offended, offense, offense. People can't even talk. They're ready to cancel one another before. Oh, there those guys and these guys and that. You know, my, my suggestion is let's cancel, cancel culture. By an opposite spirit, where we love our neighbor as ourself, okay? Everyone is loved, everyone is accepted, and you can learn from everyone. Does this make sense? This whole thing of just cutting people off in mid sentence, oh, you're one of those, you're one of those, it's a spirit of division that's running rampant, and it's happening in the church. I mean, if there's one place there should be a spirit of unity and a bond of peace, it's in the church of Jesus Christ. And we need to cultivate that. And we need to walk in an opposite spirit. And it's going to cost us to do that. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. I love the Bible. It's just so otherworldly. It's so, it's so inhuman. It comes from another place. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Your weapon is goodness, the goodness of God. Even if you're persecuted, abused, neglected, rejected, there still needs to be, when they squeeze you, goodness needs to come out. Do good to those who mistreat you. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, that's your part, our part, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends. Do not take revenge. How many movies, modern movies, are all about revenge? Oh, what starts kind of like, well, they got a reason to kill everyone for the rest of the movie because they did something to his daughter. You know, something goes wrong, and then for the rest of the movie, they just shoot him up, like for the whole rest of the movie because something happened. Something's going to happen to you. And the devil's going to tempt you and say, now take matters in your own hands and inflict revenge. Exact punishment on your enemies. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. See, what happens when we get in there and we start, oh, they're going to, man, they've done me wrong. I'm going to make them pay. I'm going to sue them up one side and down the other, and I'm going to do, you know, and all, the, all this stuff. And, then, and God's sitting there going, I would have defended you, but I, I can't even take a whack at those guys because you're right in the middle now. So have at it. See how it works out for you. Leave room for God's wrath. It is written, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. See, here's the thing with joy. We're still talking about joy. What, what, what's the point we're talking about? Oh, my goodness. We're talking about carrying one another's burdens. Carrying one another's burdens. We're talking about the joy of people in our life. See, how many people have, have worked on seeing the best in people? We're going to have to make this part four. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I can't, I'm still not getting it. All right. Um, seeing the best in people. I, I mentioned this the other day. I said, I, I really feel like we, we need to 
cultivate a spirit of encouragement here at the end of the age when there's so much discouragement. You know, that's that simple thing like, you know what I appreciate about you? Do you know what I love about you? Watch people light up when you say that. Oh, who, me? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm telling you, people need encouragement. They might act like they don't, but they do. Even the most stoic one is like, wow, they walk away later and go, man, that was kind of good. I'm feeling a little better about myself now, you know? So one, one last thought. Let's see if I can unpack this one thought about people. I, I stumbled upon this scripture where it talks about, uh, give, you know, stewarding the gift. Now we talk about the purpose for what you're created. And Romans chapter 12 verse 8 says, if you have a gift of encouragement, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. In other words, max out on your gift. Don't do a little dabble, do you? Like, oh, I got the gift of giving, and you're just holding back, and a little bit of this, a little bit of that. No, generously. Go for it. See what happens. If, it, if it's to lead, then lead diligently. Hmm. Some people got hit with some big-time leadership gifts in this house. Lead diligently. Okay, now watch this one. This is the one that, that kind of got me. It says, if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Do it joyfully. If, if, if your gift is to give, and I believe all of us should be experts in, in mercy. Be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. And if we don't extend mercy, we're not shown mercy. I mean, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. I mean, if, we, we don't, if we're not in, in conjunction and, uh, and congruent with with uh, mercy, then we're missing out on the very heart of the gospel. It's the heart of the heart of the love of God. Mercy given to those who don't even deserve it. Maybe the very ones who offended you. Maybe the ones who had nothing they can do to benefit you at all. Zero. They're just valuable because Christ died for them. Otherwise, they mean nothing to you. But because they mean everything to Jesus, we begin to show mercy. and We carry one another's burdens and say, you're valuable, you're important, you're not forgotten. And he says, but if you do that, you got to do it cheerfully for the joy set before you. You got to do it with joy. They got to see the joy of the Lord. How many times, you know, we grew up in this, our early years of this ministry, our inner city ministry, we'd bump into other compassion ministries. Can you just do a pad? Just, just like a solid pad, thank you. Um, and so we would have compassion ministries and we would see people in the inner city and they're serving they're still doing it they're on mission but they're as grumpy as can be they're grumpy they're burnt out if you're going to give mercy if you're going to carry your brother's burns then do it with joy represent the Lord thank you Father And I feel like there's something about, as we close this message today, about finding joy in people. Yes, they can hurt us. You can hurt someone. I can hurt someone. I have. You have. We will, unfortunately. But God's given us a better storyline. We love regardless. And and love covers over a multitude of sins. But we have to do it with joy, cheerfully, 
can't allow a root of bitterness, resentment to remain if we're going to accurately represent Jesus to a dying world. We have to find our joy in him first and foremost. But then we have to find our joy in the mission of serving others. Whether they say thank you or not, whether they even notice, whether they even care, whether they're the very ones who'll turn on you, we still love. You're like, but Lord, what about justice? Leave room for God. He'll take care of that. It's a precarious mission to serve the very ones who can turn on you. That's what Jesus did. He let us, left us an example that we should follow. Take a moment and just allow Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray for everyone here this morning and those who be watching online, Lord, that we would find the joy of our purpose for which you've created us, Lord, and we would steward that. No matter what it looks like, we'd steward that, Lord. We'd be faithful with the things you've given us, the gifts you've given us, Lord. And we'd feel alive because we're doing just that. The fulfillment of purpose. We thank you for that, Lord. Lord, we pray that you would teach us to find joy in serving people and loving our neighbor carrying the burdens of others and fulfilling the law of Christ. Thank you, Father. And let us do it cheerfully, Lord. Let us not misrepresent you by doing the actions, but not having the right attitude pray many here, Lord. I pray all here under the sound of my voice would be able to say as Jesus did, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish this task, this work. I thank you. You give us kingdom work, purpose, mission, destiny. I thank you for that, Lord.
I just felt like the Lord was saying he wants people to be healed of people wounds. We've all been through them. We've all been part of it. But that God would give us an overcoming spirit that would say, I will still love, I will still serve, I will not shrink back. I will not hold back on my my brothers and my sisters because of disappointments. How many people are out of church, out of fellowship because they got hurt? And then they'll be wandering for years because of a church split, because of something went wrong. And, and, and I just feel like the Lord said, I've given you a template of the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, the congregation, preparing the saints for works of service. I've given this to you. And we either build with God's template or we just build otherwise and we have diminishing returns for our efforts, delays, laps around the desert. So I felt like there was a picture just to end this morning of just in a, in, in a picture, if you're comfortable with this, of everyone just reaching out and touching your neighbor. You can hold hands, you can touch a shoulder, whatever you're comfortable but just saying, hey, we're in this together. We're going to find joy. We're going to find joy in one another. We're going to see the best. We're going to embrace one another. We're not going to let go because things didn't turn out the way we thought. But Lord, restore the joy of our salvation. And Lord, it's not just me being saved. I'm, I'm part of a body. And the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. Actually, the hand would say to the foot the very opposite. I need you. I need you to fulfill my destiny. I need to be known. I need to be part of a family. I'm not just an independent American. I'm a servant and a son in the body of Christ. I'm part of a conglomerate. I'm part of a body. I'm part of an army. I'm part of a family. I'm a part. I'm a thankful part. I'm a joyful part bring life everywhere I go. Opposite spirit of the spirit of the world, which is to divide and separate and social distancing. Lord, we don't receive that spirit, Lord. We spirit, we embrace one another. We accept one another as Christ has accepted us. We accept one another the same way Christ has accepted us, which is profound. He knows us even in all our weaknesses and our sins, and he loves us. He accepts us. He embraces us. Just in this act of standing together, touching and agreeing, I just feel like there's a healing power. There's a resuscitation of the body, the joy of being part of something that God is doing together. We're in it. You know, you heard the world say we're over and over with COVID. We're in it together. We're in it together. Well, it turns out only if you think the same. Otherwise, people are rejected in a flash when the world's doing it, but not in the body of Christ. We, we truly, you can truly say we are in it together. He is the vine. We are the branches. We're all connected. He is the source. From him we get the resource to bear fruit. But also every joint supplies one another we get resource. We get connection. We get fired up. I love I'm just kind of half praying and half talking. But 
I love to, just the social time just in between worship and the word here. It just, you guys were so loud. It was amazing. We were, we were sitting back there, and they said, okay, time to connect, so greet someone. And it was just like, this, this, and, and we all were back there just like smiling, going, listen to that. That's the body of Christ celebrating one another, talking, connecting. And God wants that only to grow stronger, stronger and stronger as we see the day approaching. May God bless you and keep you and keep you blessed. In Jesus' name, amen.